1: RIPPY Writes with Brian Scott. Lippey. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have.
2: What's up? Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the RIPPY Writes Podcast powered by Twisted Tea. Today we have on old friend of the pod with a new job, Brody Miller, who now covers professional golf for the athletic, hopped on to talk about John Rahm's move to live, the ongoing and quite lopsided fight that is the PGA Tour versus live the future of professional golf becoming a golf rider and a whole lot more. So, buckle up. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Before we get to that though, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by C-Spire. It's time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with C-Spire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have a reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why C-Spire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. C-Spire also prides themselves in having the best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning. Local service based out of the southeast with industry-low call wait time. CSpire provides one gigabit and three hundred megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and the Southern Alabama regions. CSpire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new two gigabit and eight gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com/home today to use the promo code RIPPY R I P P E E at checkout for one month of free service. That's right, just for listening to this podcast. You get one month of free service when signing up for C Spire. Check them out. C Spire, customer inspired. This podcast is brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. As you're listening to this, Skybox Sports Picks' college basketball package has gone live on the site. This is their bread and butter. They crush it every single year on college hoops. And if you need any proof of that, they gave away their picks for free on the internet last week, Twitter, wherever else you can catch them on social media, and ended up plus 34.5 units on the week. Yes, you read that correctly or heard that correctly. Plus 34.5 units on the week. Trust me, if you're into college basketball, you don't want to miss this chance to profit. They mop up in college hoops every single year. For a limited time, you can use the promo code NCAAB23 for 50% off your college basketball season long picks package check them out today go online find your own picks package to fit your price range maybe you're using the bowl game package as we got college football conference championships bowl season coming up make a little extra christmas money there use the promo code rippy for 20 percent off they're the best sports handicapping service in the world check them out today skyboxsportspicks.com this podcast is also brought to you by lb's university avenue there in oxford if you're a rippy right subscriber that's rippy get a free newsletter from me plus discounted meats Right now, if you're a rip right subscriber, just go and show Greg proof of subscription. You get three six ounce bacon wrapped fillets for twenty bucks. If it's a forty-dollar valuation you're getting there for twenty bucks, just show him proof of subscription, he'll get you all set up. Then go find your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts and meats. Go to LB's this holiday season. It will make everything in your house better. People will be like, Where the hell did you get this awesome stuff? Like LB's University Avenue in Oxford. It is a crown jewel. Of the South, the crown jewel of Oxford. Check them out today. LB's University Avenue, there in Oxford. All right, here's Brody Miller. All right. We now welcome on old friend of the podcast, Brody Miller. We're here to talk about LSU's offseason, you know, the future of the LSU football program. Wait a minute, you changed jobs. Never mind. You uh you are now on a new beat, new sport. You're hitting a, uh, watching guys hit a, uh ball with a stick. You are now a yes. golf writer. How's that been going? You missed the SEC football grind.
1: I I got really sad this like October when I wasn't coming on your show to talk LSU Ole Miss. (laughs) So, you you know, there are trade-offs in this life, but no, it's been a really cool transition. It's something that I've always kind of wanted to do deep down is like, I just like the lifestyle of a golf writer. I like the style of writing that golf kind of lets you do. And it's something I always like in my back of my mind wanted to do. And then like our company was basically just like, we want to finally like actually commit to covering golf. So are you in and I'm like I am so in so yeah uh I kind of like eased in basically because I became like full time I did like a few tournaments in the last year it's like a side gig and then I jumped in to become full time like right at like the FedEx playoffs which is where I ran into you in Memphis uh and then like now it's the off season so I'm still not ready for my first like full season of this life but for now I'm enjoying my downtime
2: You're a really good writer, and you, the what you explained about a golf podcast. I know I won't blow too much smoke up your ass, I promise, but you got to give me my moment here. You, the way you describe that and the style of writing and all of that, you know, I got out of media full time, I do it part-time now. And people are like, well, What would you do to go back full time? Like, would you cover a uh, football team or like the NFL? And I'm like, No, I actually probably wouldn't. I kind of enjoy the work life balance. But if someone was yeah. like, I could be a golf writer and someone's like, We'll pay you to go like cover professional golf, I'm like, actually, I'm in, sorry to this PE firm, but I'm out. It's a different style of beat. You go to some of the most beautiful places in the world, but it also affords you time to dig in and to dive into stories, right? You're not writing something on deadline after round two of the players or whatever. Yes. You need to get something up at the end of the day, but you have time to find and locate stories and locate kind of different angles of a tournament or a guy's story and how he got there and all that. And I've always found that very interesting about golf writing you clearly have taken to it very quickly. How quickly did you appreciate like the time that covering golf affords you as opposed to get me 900 words before this game ends.
1: Yeah, and and to about first off I completely agree. Yeah, it's like that it's just a different thing of like I think the best way to put it sometimes is golf is lends itself to like the kind of writing that like nerds like you and I like doing, right, yeah. where it's like everything is kind of a profile. Like everything is basically That's a perfect way to put it. One guy alone on a course like trying to figure out what went wrong or like wrestling with this, you know, if you want to get dramatic wrestling with his demons, whatever. Right. And, but what makes golf, I think cool is it is both more time. And if you're doing it right, less time. And what I mean by that is like, if like, you can write a really cool golf daily, Where it's a daily, but it's actually a two thousand like two thousand word story you've been working on for like a few weeks, and it's like deadline writing mixed with like big picture like feature writing, and I really I think that's like my favorite kind of writing. Kind of is like like I love deadline writing, and it is all deadline. Not all. A lot of it is deadline writing, but it's also to your point very much not. And it's a really cool like lifestyle of you know you get cynical covering college sports sometimes because it's like yes to put it mildly everyone's fake makes it sound like they're bad but no like everyone's kind of just like doing their pr version of things you can only talk to these people in these like very awkward like three minute clips of like where they're trained to say what they want to say and you're kind of lying half the time about like why this kid went where or, like well like you know you like we all know this stuff behind the scenes we're just like lying about that and not lying that's dramatic but like it's a tough thing like i love covering college football but like i think what i like about this is so far is it's a little more of, like, you're actually talking to these guys on a, you know, week-to-week basis, and you're getting to know these guys, and you're, you're getting to know their agent, and their caddy, and their, like, their coach, and their swing guy, and, like, you know, I don't know, there's just a little more, it's a little more conversational, like, I think that's something you would be great at, in terms of, like, you're just kind of, like, hey, man, I just ran, like, you ran into, like, this golfer, and you're just like, hey, let's catch up for a second, I think, even your interviews don't feel very like what you see with the defense. It's more just like you're having a good talk. So I think that's probably not what you asked, but yeah, I think it's been a really like fun transition so far, but there's going to be other things that I hate about it. And those will present themselves.
2: Absolutely. And I promise this one's the last time I'll blow smoke up your ass, at least for another half hour, but there the golf media is very interesting to me because there's not a ton of them. And there's not a ton of guys that are new. And I think so you've done true. a tremendous job of adjusting very quickly. I think it's very hard transitioning to a golf beat where it's a lot of people that have done it for a long time. They're more connected. It's not even necessarily like a competitive thing. But it's yeah. hard to sound like you know what you're talking about and you know what's going on very quickly. And I think you've done a tremendous job of doing that. how 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 did you approach like learning how to cover? a beat as unique as golf like how did you learn how to do the job if that makes any sense
1: yeah that's a good question like i think partially by not trying to act like not trying to like act like i'm more in the know than i am at least at the start you know like very much just like hey i am the new guy and like i think i've tried to just lean into that like i'm the new guy you don't know me uh, I don't know as much of the institutional knowledge as everyone else, and like treat it that way. So like treat it as like I'm a- I'm entering the story as like an outsider trying to learn about this, and not treating it as like I'm a beat guy. I think that's been the main hope. Uh, I don't know if that's worked out or anything, but yeah, no, it is tricky because it's like I do very much feel you get so comfortable in our little SEC circles of just like these are my guys. I want to hang out with this guy at SC Media Days. I want to see Rippy. It's like man, I am just the new guy, and like I'm the not the youngest, but one of the younger, like at the big outlets and all that by like 30 years, you know, by like on average. And I'm just like, man, I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing. So there is a little bit of like, I hate the term imposter syndrome, but a little bit of just like, I freaking out a little bit. So it's a challenge.
2: And you come in at a very interesting time where like, <laughs> I feel like for a while golf media was not necessarily like scoop driven. It was just, who can you get relationships with? Who can you write pretty oh. good profile stories on? You know, and then you get connected enough when the big story does happen. Well, you you come in at a time when the golf world has been turned on its head, which is what I really wanted to get to. I mean, you have to hit the ground running. This live thing, when you cover it full-time, is already fully in motion. What was that like? Of Like, how do I wrap my head around all of this shit that's going on within <laughs> the golf ecosystem?
1: Yeah, it helps that I knew, like, going in, like, this is the craziest thing going on in the sport. I think it also helps that I do, even though I'm the only, like, full-time golf writer, like, Brendan Quinn is just this badass, incredible you know, features slash everything writer at The Athletic who has really done a great job. There's like almost a side hustle, but still being an amazing golf writer for The Athletic for the last few years. And he's at least, you know, plugged in on some of these things. So we can kind of, you know, he I can lean on him for some things as I get my footing and all that. That's helped big time. But no, it's, it's wild. It's wild. I think the biggest thing I'd say is, and I, I almost liken it to, nil at the beginning like that first year of nil where like even what the the hell is this yeah what the hell is this right the coaches didn't know what was going on the like let alone the players and everyone's losing their mind here a little bit and i think that's a little bit of what this last two years in golf has been like the more i'm around it's like you know like you'll be at you know like we'll be i'll be at the bahamas resort bar last week for a tournament like so everyone's staying at this resort and you're just kind of running into people and you realize like this player knows, like, is guessing what John Rom is gonna do as much as I am. You know, like everybody's head is just on a swivel. Nobody knows what's gonna happen in golf in the next few months, let alone few years. And everyone's trying to just figure out what to do with their profession right now. And I think like that's kind of relieving, though. You know, it's just like it, it makes it more intimidating that I know so little, but also like no one knows anything. So I think that's my how I've tried to approach it, or at least that's how I rationalize it.
2: Yeah. And what you just said actually made me think of a question I didn't even have planned was like, as a golf writer, Only plan mean, questions. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, just, yeah. I write down some really jumbled up notes. And then by the third time, I think the third bullet that I can't beat, I'm like, <laughs> you know what, let's just go off script. But to your point, like for you, like you go down to the Bahamas or something like that, like this is a different beat where do you feel like you have to be more on all the time? Because. You go to a bar in the Bahamas. You could run into a caddy, or you could run into someone who's a swing coach, or knows somebody who's somewhere down that. Where it's like me and you being a dipshits at Gabriel's at SEC meet days. We're not running yeah. into coaches. We're not running into players. Like you could run into someone that knows something at all times. Have you experienced that at all?
1: That's a really good question. But one, I guess, I'm still probably need to figure out what my plan okay. is because <laughs> it's like, I mean, if we're just like talking shop as like journalism nerds, like I feel like my strategy in most of these situations is by like not being on. You sure. know, like, I, let's be real. I'm stressing out. I'm, I'm on. But, like, my, like, appeal almost is that, like, I am this very unthreatening, just, like, <laughs> like, just very go-with-the-flow, like, unthreatening guy that, like, you don't have to worry about. And, like, that's how I try to be in those situations. It's like, I'm the young guy. I don't want to be too self-serious. I'm just having fun with it. Like, so I guess that's how I tried to do it so far in those situations. But, man, that is a really good point. Like, that's something I'm going to have to, like, figure out a, a overall strategy for. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's not even like an on thing. It's just like, oh, I run into a guy. And even we're just talking like, yeah. off the record, like I can learn something here to where it's like there's zero shot. Like I keep mentioning, like I'm walking into Gabriel's and Hoover. I'm not learning anything in there. I'm oh, it's such to... a
1: good point. Yeah. Like, yeah, we never had to worry about maybe like Atlanta for the playoff or something. Exactly. Like run into the same people. But like on a day to day basis, you really rarely had to worry about like running into the like those sources or something in football world because like you just live in different worlds. Yeah, you just do. Yeah. Golf like you don't. You do in the sense that they're 20 million dollar dudes who live in mansions, but you don't in the sense that like most most of these people are just like just guys like, you know, they're very similar to us in a lot of ways.
2: Yes, it's a lot more relatable in that sense. So the last tournament, unless I'm mistaken, you your last one was the Hero World Challenge, last one you've been to, correct, a couple of weeks ago? Correct. Yes. So that's one of the more unique events. It's in the off-season. It's not even really like a PGA Tour sanctioned event, but it's kind of like the who's who, right? There's a reason they sent you down to the Bahamas. There was all this buzz, I would say, in the last month and a half, and I haven't kept up with this as much as I probably should, of like, what's Liv's next move? Like, when is this happening? Like, when is this next wave? And then the ROM rumors start swirling. For someone who had boots on the ground, what was the vibe like at the Hero World Challenge surrounding the landscape of golf?
1: Yeah, let's be real. Like, why? Like that's the reason I was there. <laughs> like, there's no reason to cover that tournament. You're there because it's Tiger's event, and you know, like, all these guys are just going to be chilling down to talk. And, like, Tiger obviously is more important than ever right now. And in terms of his role in the game, um, yeah, I think it was a lot of just, like, you just kept asking everyone about it, and everybody's just like, I mean, we'll use the ROM example, like a guy to guy, you'd be like, yeah, we've all reached out to him, and no one's really heard anything. Like, no, none of them had been hearing what's going on. Like, there wasn't like, and to keep parlaying it with like our jobs is like when we were SEC guys is like, you always kind of know what's going to happen, right? Yes. Like we knew, but it's like, can we report it? Probably not. Or like, we know it's headed this way, but. I think right now it's so crazy. It's like they just don't like. There's so many people that just don't know where it's headed. So I think there's a lot of the tricky thing was this was still about a. It was like a week before ROM officially went over, and I think there was still like this, what's going to happen? This debate of what it means. A lot of people are arguing this is a bargaining chip. That it's like there's a few weeks left to this December thirty first deadline. Between for the listeners, but like PJ tour to make a deal with public investment fund of saudi arabia like are they going to do it are they going to stay at war and this is almost like a bargaining chip and that's why rom's being so quiet right is that like he's trying to like play a part in this bargaining and they're probably like it it, they're wink wink in on it because you know if 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 they take him, then it's proof of why the tour needs to make a deal because like the live's going to keep taking guys but also like it's a bargaining chip in the sense that the tour has all these sponsorships and these other investors, and that's their bargaining chips. And like oh. Sorry. Wow, I'm so sorry. Something popped up and I made it made you think I just lost this. Uh no, you're good. I'm I'm here. So keep rolling. I was cut. That I genuinely off. thought I just lost you. But um yeah, so it's wild in that sense that, like, everybody's kind of just they don't even they're not even worried, is what I'm trying to get at. Not even worried or scared because they just can't figure out where it's going, they don't know. I think afterward, there is definitely more of like a the PGA tour might be screwed vibe. There's a little more of if they can't make this deal happen, it's only now going to snowball and get so much worse because it's like. I, I wrote a column on this, but basically, the moment they made that deal on June sixth, the framework agreement, what they did is they normalized it. They normalized live and Piff in that moment. They made it no longer the taboo thing. I know they like they were in a corner and they made probably the right deal in that moment what you had to do. But now, like the number one thing that was always in their corner was like you can't do this because then you're going to get canceled or you're going to the world's going to turn on you and like you're. And now it's like we might be in business with them, and that makes it so. I don't know, like, it makes Rom going no longer like the way we treated Dustin Johnson going. you hundred know? percent. And now Rom going is like, well, now it's really even. Like, it's no longer like all the good guys are still on the tour. It's like, I don't know, like, I think it was like five of the last 12 majors have been won by guys that live. And I think like four of the top, like 10 guys on that, like uh, basically like who is the most social media hits thing, you know, like the popularity thing of like, uh, it's it's concerning. And all of a sudden now it's like, well, if this doesn't happen now, they might just be like the tour is screwed. And now guys are just going to feel more comfortable being like, all right, it's good. time to go. I mean, I saw one report from Sports Illustrated that almost insinuate because Patrick Cantley has been the guy like kind of leading negotiations for the tour on the player board. And it's like, yeah, but if he doesn't get this done, he might be like, okay, I'm going to go now. And that's like the best example that like the guy who might be leading toward negotiations is also like negotiating of like, if it doesn't work though, I might go to live. And that's
2: insane. It really is. It took
1: that a lot of places.
2: No, it did. And it was very well said. And that's, that's the part to me that's fascinating about this is so from this whole start of the whole live thing, I don't love live. I don't love what it's done to like, for me, selfishly watching this product as a viewer, I don't enjoy it. Like, I don't, I'm not saying the live broadcast sucks or any of that, but I hate the fact that they've splintered the marketplace. But I also,
1: I'm not, I think the broadcast sucks, which is like, that's the part of me that wants to watch. Like the first year, I was like, I don't want to watch this. Screw them. I don't like them. And then this year, I'm like, I want to watch Cameron Smith. I want to watch my favorite golfers. And I'm like, no, this is unwatchable. I think it's really bad, but continue. It
2: is. You're exactly right. But like, this is one of those things where like, I've never gone like the moral high ground standpoint of like, can't believe this guy did this. Like, man, if someone offered me eight, nine figures to do something. Yeah. Hell, you know, I might, Fucking I this sounds terrible, but like I, I might just entertain the idea of being like, Yeah, ISIS is cool. Um, for <laughs> nine number eight figures. Like no I, I've never been my point is I've never been in that position. I never begrudge guys for doing yeah, I, it. Yeah. I
1: respect that. Yeah.
2: The 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 part of it that was nauseating to me was them doing that and then saying it was not about the money. Like I respect the hero
1: They were doing it to it grow, grow like, the game. I, yeah, yeah, it's like, I'm doing it change- for the shotgun starts.
2: Yeah, save me the Graham McDowell. We can grow golf across the world. But like, Carol yeah. Varner like, this is going to change my family's life. Cool, dude, dude. I'm cool with that. I'm not saying I agree with it. Again, I don't know if I would or would do and that. And there's a
1: noticeable difference in the way we talk about the guys who are honest and the guys yes. who are like BSing. Like, we all still roll our eyes at Phil Mickelson or Bryson, even. But like, you know who doesn't get as much shit? Dustin Johnson doesn't get as much shit. Because he doesn't
2: uh, care. He just said it was awesome money. Yeah, man.
1: I wanted money. Uh, Brooks doesn't even get as much shit because he's kind of honest. He's like, I thought my career was over with my knees and I decided to get the payday. And, And he said, in hindsight, maybe I wouldn't have done it if I knew I'd be good again. And of course, Varner's the MVP being like, yeah, man, it's
2: the money. Yeah. Exactly, and that's a better way to put it than I did. We are still firmly an anti ISIS podcast over here, but you get my point. You get nine figures floating in front of you. Um,
1: Yeah. No, I mean, mean, I'll admit the first. I was very holier than thou about it. I was very much. So was
2: I. Very initially, I was like, I can't believe these guys are doing this. But when you heard like some of them speak versus the others, I was like, I get some of this. I don't get the other part of it.
1: Yeah, totally. But no, like I'm not I'm we're on the same side here. Like I think at first though I was very like self-righteous about it. And then I think like when June sixth happened, I think for me it was kind of like this very like wake up moment of like where was I pretending that like any major business in the world operates like exactly. they would like they wouldn't do a certain thing for more money because of like no, they I was lying to myself and believing that's what the tour was representing. Like, that's what it's really about. It's not about like, I still don't have issues with Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia and what they do. I still do. It's, it's more like, who was I kidding that the PGA tour was this beacon of like doing the right thing when it's like, no, they just very savvily that first year used that as really good PR for them. They knew that was their best interest, and the second it wasn't, they threw that away. And I think that's something that, like, we're way off topic, but just like that was something I had to like just like self realize of just like guys, this is it's always been about the money, every industry in the world's just about the money, and I need to just like wake up a bit.
2: It's, I mean, th- we took the exact same path there. I was the same way, where it's like, yeah. dude, this is terrible, these are some terrible people. I mean, hell, we worked in the journalism world, uh, Kashi gets murdered by an absolutely yep. brutal regime. Like, it's not that I don't have problems with that. Don't get me wrong. It's it's absolutely abhorrent. But exactly, when you kind of look at it and you contextualize it with, okay, there's enough layers of separation for I understand why guys would take this money. Towards, it's like, Ooh. who am I kidding? Like, they're really going to stand on moral high ground to take less money, it's not even market value. They're getting offered absurd amounts of money that they did even make over 10 years ten t- on the PGA Tour. I don't even know. Is it e- like, it's 10 times, is 10 times even too little? Like it's probably like 20
1: times market value. It's like, remember when the athletic was first starting and they were just throwing out like yes. salaries? It's like that <laughs> times 1,000. <000. laughs>
2: That's what it made me think about was like when I was interning at the clearing ledger and you came along soon after and like, it would be like, oh, okay, what if they took a Brody Miller or a Brian Scott Rippey, And they're like, we'll pay you actually a million dollars to go cover yeah. and they oh of course, like what are we talking about here? Like, I don't care what these people are behind me. It's so if the whole thing is so wild, but the thing what I, what I was getting at was they in the beginning, Liv took kind of the outcast. It was guys on the back end of their careers, the Ian Poulters, yeah. the Lee Westwoods, the Mickelsons, the Whoevers. It's like, okay, Absolutely. I get why these guys are cashing a paycheck. And then like Cam Smith happens, and it's like Oh man, this kind of sucks, but I'll still see Cam Smith in the major. He's just an outcast. Oh, Brooks went. Well, you know, he's a pouty bad boy for the lack of a better phrase. Yeah. And he was
1: always like, I'm too cool for the tour. Yeah. Like it adds up. Yeah. Even Cam
2: Smith, even Cam Smith.
1: It was like, when you thought, I mean, he's maybe my favorite golfer was like, so that was a big one for me, but like, I, even on that one you can step back like he is an Australian who just thinks differently and it's just like literally like you talked to him it's like all he wants to do is just go fishing and play golf like he does not so I'm like I guess that's I get it to your point continue yeah
2: no exactly and that was the first one where I was like kind of like okay this actually kind of sucks like he yeah. wins the the open over there and then he joins live and it's like okay this kind of sucks but I'm still fine with this and then Rom to me and this is what I was really getting at, felt different. It does. Ron was outspoken about how, you know, $400 million versus 40 is not going to change his life, which he probably wishes he had that one back. <laughs> was, But he was outspoken about it. And he was like, okay, this guy's one of the tour's guys. And I don't know if he's on the More- Rory McElroy track of like, all right, you know, he has some vested interest in this. But when yeah. he went after being outspoken about that, I was like, man this is gonna get bad like this really sucks and i'm curious as someone who covered it did you kind of sense that same shift because i know i'm not unique in that belief of like this felt different
1: no i I think you're absolutely right i mean so i think the key word i keep going back to is like that was it just normalized it it was the one where it's like this is no longer to your point the outcasts or the like pariahs who love making like who are just mad at the tour this was like This is the biggest. I actually like this is real. He is the biggest like nerd at golf. Like he is a golf dork like he he'll be like yeah when I wake up at six before the kids are awake I'm pulling up old like on YouTube watching like old ter- PGA Tour tournaments of like some shot Ernie Els hit because I just like love learning about golf like that's who he is he's us like he just lives he'll, he'll be playing rounds with Rory and Shane Mac and Shane Lowry and he'll just be like asking Shane Lowry details about the shot he hit to win the open that year like that's the guy and they're like God like will you ever stop asking us these questions like that's who he is and for him of all people to be the one who's like no i'm gonna go i'm gonna leave the tour it just shows that this is now that the math is different the calculus is different this is not i am leaving the tour i'm out it's like this made more sense for me you know what i mean like it's no longer like i'm spurning it's like i think this makes more sense and once it becomes like a calmer thing i think that's when it becomes darker and it's more sinister for the tour of like oh, you lost your card, man. And now it's just like, what's better for me? And that's, you're going to lose, man. Because you you lost the self-righteousness that you lost that battle. You lost the outrage battle. And now you definitely don't have the money. And now like your players can't stand your commissioner. And like, what do you have in your corner? Also like PJ Tour execs are dropping like flies from one scandal after another. And it's just like, this is just like crumbling. And I think that's really why, like, to get your point of, like, the change, though. Yeah. And I think with Rom, like, I won't pretend that, like, we haven't really talked to him other than, like, some very dry interviews he gave, which is not like him, by the way. Like, he's a talker. Um, but, like, so I won't pretend I know. And I don't want to, like, I really don't want to do that. But, like, you could speculate. I think, to some extent, he is, like, an actual family guy who I think at some point was, like, let's get our payday and just, like, I don't know. But, two... I think he was starting to get frustrated with the tour. I think June 6th, like many players, like really changed their opinion on all of this in terms of like, not just the like normalization that we're talking about, but anger at the tour. Um, I There have been a lot of really good reporters who've said that like, who know better than me that are saying like, he, I think had some frustration with like not feeling as marketed as the other, you know, big four or five superstar Americans and Rory, you know, he doesn't. So I think he had his slights. And I think it led to this moment. I don't, you know, he's not as leaned on as Rory is or Tiger is or Jordan Spieth now is on the board of like, you know, the guys we want to like fix the tour. Like He's not looped in that way. And I think those things all
2: kind of come together to be like, yeah, maybe I'll take this money, but it's wild, man. And he's not going to be the last one. No, he's definitely not. And that's the part that's fascinating to me about this. He did this. You've encapsulated perfectly about the normalization of it. He didn't catch the same shit as a Bryson did or as a nope. Patrick Reed did. And granted, there's a likability factor there that we cannot ignore. Yes, totally. They're no longer pariahs. It's no longer you're the outcast doing it. This was one of the PGA Tours guys who finally kind of saw everything for what it was. And like you said, yeah, yeah. it makes more, it. it makes more sense. And I don't begrudge him for that. But the fact that this happened and he didn't catch the same level of shit that a lot of these initial guys did, is a frightening thing for the PGA tour. And I, I sat there and I thought about that the other day. And I was texting a couple of buddies of mine who follow golf very closely. It's like, what stopped now that he did this? I know yeah. there's been several rumors about however many guys, and we might get into a couple of them, but what is now stopping a, I don't know. I mean, Justin Thomas, he's been kind of vocal, but not really stopping him or a, a yeah. Tyrell Hatton or all these people that stayed and like, didn't really publicly be like i hate this like a rory what's stopping yeah. them from doing that now there's no blowback now he's definitely not the last one like you said th- i don't know what's stopping them now because the PJ tour now cannot compete like i don't know where this goes
1: yeah i think the things in your corner are probably um One, I think you can't rule out the Tiger element and it's, you know, pretty noticeable that the guys who are Tiger now is the basically like one of like, I think Cantley has a very large role in that board, but Tiger is also one of the most important people now in terms of he has a board seat, the players have more seats than the, the other board members do the executives do like. That like, And I think Tiger, as Tiger goes, there's a generation of golfers who just will do what Tiger says. And I think it's noticeable that most of the guys that are still there are the people that are in the Tiger circle. Not all of them, right? Like Victor Hovland, for example. I don't think of him necessarily as, like, in the Tiger circle. Or, like, some of these guys just want to be here, and it works for them still. But um, I think that's a chunk. Like, people aren't going to spurn Tiger. Two, I don't think you can rule out the part that, like, the more guys that go, the more the tour relies on these guys and the more they will make, like they can try to make that worth their while. Right. Of like, okay, more, even if this deal doesn't happen, more investments coming. Like, you know, for example, the tour announced uh, a few days ago that, you know, they are advancing negotiations with basically a bunch of big time billionaires to like invest in this and maybe fill the PIF role or with PIF that they're claiming this can be with PIF and just lowering their share. I don't know. But There will be more money coming in. That much is apparently clear. And I think the more, like, the guys who stay, the case that can be made to them is, like, we will take care of you, basically. You know, like, you will get yours. And now they can be marketed even harder because, like, now they're they're even bigger stars than they were, you know, percentage-wise because now Rom's gone. And, like, so I think those are probably the best cases But that's just me playing devil's advocate. I am agreeing with you in terms of like, yeah, what's stopping them? Like, and I think that's going to be really tough. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And there's always going to be a chunk of guys that can't roll out that just like care about, you know, like they don't want to go to live. You know, like that's another thing that like sometimes we just gloss over. Some guys might just still think that's stupid. Some guys like care about the history of being like, I want to be on the PGA tour. Like sometimes that is just that simple, but man, it's. It's gonna, we're getting closer and closer to it actually being two relatively comparable leagues, and that is just really damning.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a US-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. We'll get back to Brody in just one second, but before we do, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted tea is there to elevate your game day experience it perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments so let's toast to unforgettable game day experience twisted tea the drink that fuels and celebrates your love for college football keep it twisted this podcast is now brought to you by mc speech therapy Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder mc speech therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room MC speech therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic using a relationship based framework MC speech therapy can help your child engage relate and communicate Mary Claire Boudreau's doctorate level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy parent training. Is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi with MC speech therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships for service today. Call 903-824-8575 or email her at, at net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. All right, back to Brody. It really is. And that's what they're going to have to go because they have no other choice. Like the the other part of this, too, is when Liv did all of this, whether it was the initial wave or everything that's happened in the offseason, was they made the tour increase purse amounts for big events yeah. that I didn't ever feel was sustainable.
1: Um, and that's a big concern right now. Yeah.
2: It's a massive one. You mentioned like the money being there, and I don't really have any doubts about that, about it staying there for X amount of events. But you saw this in a different way with the European, now DP World Tour, was the PGA Tour's money increased, and all these guys left and went and played in America. And then now you look at the DP World Tour, and I used to love waking up as a kid watching it. Yeah. And... Like it, because the announcers were cool, like it was on early in the morning. And then now you flip on a DP World Tour event, and you're like, I don't have a fucking clue who any of these people are on this yeah. leaderboard, like, not a clue. And then they're playing, and you look at the purse money, and it's like, this is like 250k more than what a corn fairy guy is going to make to win this thing. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you, if there's any sort of like comparable example, it's what the PJ Tour did to the DP World Tour, not intentionally, but just the way the money yeah. in the market flowed. I have a hard time believing that that's not going to happen to the PJ Tour if this continues. Like, how is this purse money and all of this sustainable on the PJ Tour if notable guys continue to leave?
1: So, yeah, I mean, you look at the example this week of Wells Fargo basically backing out of the Wells Fargo championship. And the sense is basically that, like, they were asked, the tour was asking for too much and i i preface almost everything i say with we are still in early december and we are so so early in this that my answer to a lot of this is i don't know what's gonna happen like i don't know yeah like i don't know the finances in reality none of us do we all just kind of hear things and you know get like little bits and pieces um but yeah no i mean the tour is upping those numbers they are asking more and more of the sponsors without like and i don't know if the sponsors are getting more payoff out of this so it's like the, the I, it's hard to really rationalize and it does not appear sustainable and obviously a big part of this is they are hoping for a multi-billion dollar injection of cash from investors and maybe that will all work itself out but that money still you are still not going to come near what live can give like the like having a few billion from the sports strategic whatever forgive me Versus the endless hundreds of billions and piff, it's just they're not comparable. So it's like
2: it's literally more money than God. There's no amount of money you can get to that will make it comparable. I
1: love the choice of literally because, like, I don't know how much money God ever had. You know, <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know what his finance situation is. I guess he made like he can just make more. I don't know. But I don't know what the, that doesn't do. Inflation. A lot of good questions here, but um, yeah, like. I don't know if it, it's like simultaneously you're spreading yourself out thin again, but you're still not as much as them, but maybe really your solution just needs to be, and I'm just spitballing. I don't know. Like it's just about still making it worth their while. Cause most guys deep down want to still be at the tour. Right? Like, I think that's fair to say, like most guys did. don't want to go to live, but it's, so it's like, as long as you can still make those payouts more and but yeah, man, I, I'm I'm spiraling because I don't really know the answer, quite frankly. Like, I don't know how they make these numbers
2: work. There's no answers to it, and that's kind of what <laughs> wants to yeah. like make me transition to like 2024, absent yeah. of all the other crap that was happening with live and all of that. This was supposed to be a new like version of the PGA Tour with the change in schedule and all of that. And I was excited for it. Yeah, so and was now, I. And now like, it's kind of. Now we're talking about totally different things that I think they probably hoped we wouldn't talk about as you, I mean, we talked about it before we started recording, you're attempting to cover a season on the PJ tour as a full-time golf writer. You're picking your events. What is kind of the sense you get of like, who will play what, like, do you think we'll have any sort of change of like the big events of you can't believe this guy's not here. Maybe we're talking about more guys going to live. Has that changed for you at all in how you pick your schedule?
1: So, I think you know the thing they accomplished last year with moving to those elevated events, and I guess now they they want to change it to signature events. Which come on, guys, can't change it one year in, but but uh, but yeah, like with those elevated events, they did a good job of now like those are the eight events a year that you know the best players are going to be there. Now, obviously, I think they went too far with it because then in turn, like these guys are locked in and you can't miss events. And it's like, then you get fined basically. And like, that's not going to work because golf has always been something where you can kind of make your own schedule. So I think this year it's obviously still the elevated events, but you can do what you want. It's just a much bigger payday and more worth your while and more points and all that stuff. So I still think it is still going to be drastically better than say four years ago in terms of like, you know, the best players in, on tour are going to be at Riviera. They're going to be at the, the, you know, the Genesis. They're going to be at, um. they're going to be at the Memorial, right? In Ohio, Jack's event. They're going to be at, at Arnold's event in Bay Hill, Florida. You know, like you still know those like tentpole events led by the all-time greats. Like those ones are still going to be your babies. And, and so I think, you know, oh, and the players championship, that's always going to get the best guys. And there's still other elevated events, but You know, like, you know, I think, for example, Quail Hollow, I don't know, that's usually, you know, shortly after a major, and that's still going to get probably 75% of the best guys, you know, it's not, there's gonna be some that skip that. But I think you can know that. And, but there's also benefit in going to some of the smaller events, because it's like, less reporters are going to be there. And like, they're like, Oh, you're here. Let's talk, you know, and I think like, there's a there's a balance that but yeah, Overall, it's like you still want to go to the majors, you want to go to those main like four or five tour events that are elevated, then you want to pick your spots. Like, I'm always gonna to go to the Zurich because that's my baby in New Orleans, the team event. You know, like do I go to Houston? You know, a small event, but it's like I can get some guys that I normally like probably you know that are gonna have someone talking to them more than they normally would. I don't know. But
2: how about the Sanderson, the big cock trophy, fifth major? I was there this
1: year oh, for yeah. a few days. Yeah, I went for a few days to talk to Ludwig. Yeah.
2: Hey, man, that's also my baby. Covered that for the Clarion Ledger in (laughs) 2017. Yeah. So as (laughs) as you try to gauge, like the golf fandom and the golf fan base is very fascinating to me because there's a – and it's probably not totally unique to other sports, but there's a lot of people – I say a lot. I don't know how much it is, but – people that enjoy like the grinders, the day-to-day guys. And like in my case, in some ways I am, because I know a couple of the guys personally. It's like, no one knows nationally who Hayden Buckley is. Love the guy to death. He's made a career killing, but he's not driving people to go to events. And he's made an incredible living on just staying on the PGA tour. And his story is incredible as a former walk-on at Mizzou. And he's made, you know, seven figures the last two years and now lives a great life. I just wonder like for guys like that, I know like the, tron carters of the world love to call them mules but the like, mules
1: the mule uprising yeah
2: but when you actually get to them on like a base-to-base level they are a bigger deal than you like think they are it's like oh this oh, yeah. isn't nobody but it's like but they still have people no. that follow them and all that but they're not driving tournaments for guys like that if they're going to like the valspar and all that in two, three years, do you think, like, the Valspar will be worth any of their time? Like, do you think it'll still be the same purse? I'm curious to, like, the middle class, yeah. do you think they'll suffer or benefit from this?
1: No, I, I, that's one of my favorite things to, like, follow. It's so interesting. I think they're obviously not going to benefit. I think that's fair to say, right? Yes. But they're, I think, and I think some of the lower events are probably, like, you know, like, I wonder how good well the Zurich does, you know, for example, or, like, the Sanderson. But, um i do think as a whole those mid-range ones you're talking about will always be fine because in reality when we're talking about these elevated events and these like huge paydays and all that that's like what we're really talking about though is like a very special set of 10 to 20 golfers it's not even like the 30th guy it's the like it's like 10 to 20 golfers it's the 0.1% who, of the tour yeah who are going to you know are going to finish in the top 20 in those events that are just so good and so reliable that's what you're talking about, for, but you gotta remember for most of these guys, like, $200,000 is still a, a huge chunk a of their of year, like, like a pretty good golfer, yeah, it's crazy that you can be, like, an average golfer and make several million dollars a year, yeah, totally, but it's, like, making a few hundred thousand dollars is still essential to that, like, that's still, like, 10% of that or whatever, so yeah, I think the Vals bars is a, it's a great example of one, or, like, Colonial or something, like, that aren't, no one thinks of as big, but, they're going to be fine because that's still a lot of money. Like that's, you got to remember like money, like that's at the end of the day, that's it. And like, you still get more than a million dollars for winning those tournaments. You still get a hundred thousand, a few hundred thousand for finishing in that top 10. Like, I think it'll always be stable there. It's more like, I wonder about those bottom ones.
2: And then if you go to the very bottom, one of the last things I had was what's interesting to me about what live has done is they've gotten the big superstars but they've gotten a couple of, like, the top amateurs out of college, the A.U. Yeah. Chakaras. I mean, I think Liv actually has probably three of the last six U.S. amateur champions, maybe, if I'm yeah. not wrong about that right. David
1: Puig and- just turned 22 this month. He's a stud from Spain. I bet he'll be on a Ryder Cup team sooner than later, you know, like. Yeah, man, they got some young ones.
2: Well, those are the Justin Thomas's and Jordan's piece of tomorrow. And they're getting these kids. And, like, I, I got a question on the message board the there today. Braden Thornberry, a kid who was a former national champion at Ole Miss. He was that close to getting his PGA Tour card in 2021, I guess that would be. Yeah. Um, and... Fell off in 2022, lost his status. I mean, hell, he had to go play like form tour events over across the pond. Yeah. Now he's at final stage of Q school. Well, he played, the reason I got questions about it on our board, he played the live developmental, whatever their version of Q school is, which I didn't even know existed, which hand up, I consider myself a decent bit of a goth nerd. Yeah. I didn't know that was happening. And like, I've been trying to get him on the podcast. Hopefully we may, but I would be curious to ask him like, what made you want to play that? Like, what is the upside? Not even like a pointed or judgmental sense, like, why did you want to do that? Like, what is the payment guarantee? They've done a pretty good job of, like, kind of targeting the young guys. And I would say, like, Pearson and Parker Cootie, decent bit of an outlier example. They come from a decent yeah. law family in North Texas. They're like, no, we don't want this. But these foreign players keep invading. I say invading. That makes it sound bad. Keep infiltrating college golf, and they're awesome. And they come from different backgrounds to where it's not the same as a Pearson and Parker Cootie if Liv keeps yeah. getting these younger guys that are the future superstars, like where does that leave the tours? that are based so, the next level of Justin Thomas's?
1: It's such an important thing, but the, I think this is one thing the tour is making some good moves on. Um, I, I don't like I don't know how familiar like you or your listeners are with PGA Tour University because like it's always been a thing, but I think like in the last two years they've really basically upped it and yes. realized like you have to make a good streamlined system of your best college players to the tour. Because it used to basically be yeah like and I'm not even pretending I'm an expert on this but basically you'd still have to like go through Q school and you'd still have to like fight the corn fairy tour most of the time like going just straight from college to actually on the tour was like incredibly rare. It's basically then, impossible. Yes, exactly. And what they what they're doing is and the the best the first example is Ludwig Ebert basically what it was the the first place of pga tour you got immediate pga tour status and that itself was kind of revolutionary and then it, it was boosted by the fact that he just blew the f up and it's just dominating and i think each year they're now really like as this it's only been like six months since then but i think they've already like changed it three more times since then of like okay now let's make it five guys who get a tour card right away and now let's make it now there's um, and i'm not even familiar with it because it's changing so much but there's like the pga tour you like there's another thing that basically guarantees gordon Sargent because he's number one and like like whenever he decides to go pro in like three years or two years like he has a spot guaranteed and it's like a different one that pj tour you accelerated which yeah god god help us trying to remember all these but like I think they're doing a really good job of creating these systems of like, you can get on now. And like, I think sixth place now still gets us straight to the corn fairy tour, which that's still a big deal. Like that's still a really good living. So I think they're doing a better job of doing that because, and I think they're in a good spot where most of these, like if you look at the rankings right now, and most of the top AMs right now, most of these guys seem like they have, they're playing some tour events a few a year, you know, as amateurs and they're getting their chances. I don't think many of them I'm too worried about. So, yes, it's concerning that, the, that Liv's able to get some of these guys we're talking about, but I think the tour's still doing a good job of keeping with this PGA Tour U system, like, the dudes, the best Ams, and that and those are your future stars, to your point. But the fact that Liv's getting some is concerning. I do wonder, though, how Liv will do with, like, consistently churning and developing the young guys, like, year
2: in, year out. That's going to be tough. It is definitely going to be tough. And there was this transition period where when they went from, like, you could go to Q school and go to the PGA tour. And then there was this weird period where like, you actually really couldn't, like you pretty much had to go through the corn fairy tour and you're telling the superstar to the superstar of your college sport. Like, Hey, now you're nobody. Like you need to go through Q school. It's a great way
1: to put it, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like, you have to go back to corn fairy tour Q school. If you're fucking awesome on the corn fairy tour, like congrats on your $200,000, probably, you know, 10% of that goes to your caddy, 40 goes to your travel fees. Like, yeah, you probably made $40,000 a year of salary just to get to the PJ Tour. And there were several guys. I mean, Mississippi was not unaffected by this. He had a kid named Wilson Fur, who went to Alabama, was an All American. He'd have a great college career, but he was a notable guy. He's not drawing guys to tournaments, but like his path, he had to go to Canada. Then he went to Corn Ferry. Then he gets to the PJ Tour. Andy Ogletree was a U.S. amateur yeah. champion out of right outside of Meridian. Tears up his shoulder twice and he goes to live because he's like, this is the only way for guaranteed money. Yeah. And I think the PJ tour has done a better job of that now. And I think that's less of a concern, but it's just kind of wild to think about if you're 22 and you're faced with the possibility of I'm going to go to the corn ferry and go to Latin America for five weeks, you know, yeah. hopefully I get more guaranteed starts after that versus if I could just qualify for this live thing and I can ride the coattails as an alternate and still get six figures. What is my decision here? Really? Like, yeah. is it really even a decision?
1: No, it's so true. I think Ogletree probably was like, a, and there was a few others I'm blanking on. It was a good one. Uh, yes. James, but like, yeah, I think that that was a bit of a wake up call. And I think they've addressed that. So yeah, it is such a good point though. Two years ago, it's like, why would you not? Like to get to your point, yeah. Now it's- the risk though, I think the biggest risk of going to live and the thing we're seeing if you're a young guy is right now, like live, it it's a best sell. It's like, it's guys that were established. Now you want to watch them. And but I think what like Camp Smith's going to be one of the walking Neiman's probably the best example to like follow yes. over the next five years of this is like, but what happens when you are not a star yet? Like you are not somebody that like even Camp Smith, like we know he's like a dude, but like Camp Smith's not a household name or anything. And what happens when you go to live where you are basically an anonymity before you are like somebody the world knows somebody with all these marketing deals and all that? What happens? Because, like, does anybody except us golf nerds know that, like, Joaquin Neiman's killing it or, like, Taylor Gooch is killing it in live Like, they don't because no one's watching. So I think that's going to be so interesting. Or a David Puig. I guarantee you, David Puig's a stud. I don't think, the, like, you walk up to 20 golf nerds, three know who he is. And I think that's a thing. So I wonder what really happens with that. Because right now, Live is working for the guys that already were big names. What happens if you're not?
2: hundred percent of the ultimate version of that is: How about if the Saudis get bored and they're like, "We're just pulling the plug on this operation"? Then what do you do, right? Well, like that's that, I can't, if that scenario happens, I don't even know like what we can discuss. It's like, I know. I don't just, but that is a real thing. We're all they screwed. They could get bored and just think, "Hey, we're out of this." I mean, that that really is a real thing. That could happen at any day or moment. They do, totally boxes, they do it with boxing. They do with all kinds of shit.
1: It's true, man. I mean, if that happens, it's just like DefCon One. That's <laughs> it's like basically like. The PJ Tour just got bankrupt, basically, by this threat that doesn't exist anymore. It's like the only way it all survives is if, like, they, these players all accept, hey, I need to pay 80% pay cuts or something. God, could you imagine? Ugh, I don't even want to think about that because I'm oh, too it's tired. It's
2: insane to think about. One of the last things I have for you. So you've now <laughs> kind of been around to these guys, the superstars, whether these guys that have gone to live or the PJ Tour loyalists. I'm just curious, like, first time you're at a tournament where Jordan Spieth is at, and I know he hadn't talked about it a ton, or Justin Thomas, do you think their message during this 2024 season about what Liv is and what it could be is any different than what they've talked about previously?
1: Ooh, like, when they're asked about it.
2: Yeah.
1: Ooh, I do think you're already seeing the shift with, like, a Spieth or a JT of, like, you talk about it now more in, like, a business way of, like, in the more than you did, like, I don't know if that's the right term for it, but you talk about it now as like a competitor and like to the norm, we keep using this word normalization of like a real thing that's out there instead of like, before it was a like know, a like, moral
2: quandary. Like you're
1: not moral talking quandary, about it, like, like, I sense. wouldn't do that. Or even just like, this is a joke. Like, why are we doing like, that was how you could do it. And it'd be good PR for you basically. Like that's the right way to handle it. And now it's just not, it's much more of like actual, bottom line like let's talk about this like there's just more of like a sincerity to a conversation about it I think like you talked to Jordan Spieth about it and he talked to Bahama's good bit he's on the board now it's much more of just like a yeah we got like this negotiation like we got to figure out what's going to happen here you know what I mean it's just I'm not explaining this well but to, it's a good question because it's it's already shifting. like it is now something you have to respect more
2: I don't mean to hold your feet to the fire here. No one officially from the Fiji tour is actually going to listen to this, but there's no way Monaghan is there long-term, right? I thought that from the time they made that deal.
1: I mean, we've, we've come out saying this, like he is obviously in trouble. Like he does not have support from many players on tour. I think the, uh, I mean, there's real push on him. I think the understanding is they want the consistent line of talk has basically been like, he's, been the one pushing this through you have to let him see it through you can't like cut him out midway don't know if that's necessarily accurate line of thinking um i think the other element is who else wants this job right now it's like a thankless i've never thought about that screw job and it's also like to my point like his number two basically or like once two or like two top executives have like either like had to resign from sexual harassment issues or like just left on their own like so, like, there's not even, like, the next guy up kind of thing. You're like, I want that guy to run it. Like, so it's just, like, what do you do? So I think there's a few of that. But, yeah, long story short, yeah, if this doesn't work out, like, perfectly, yeah, I would be pretty surprised if Jay Monahan still the commissioner in, like, a year. Yeah.
2: We talked about your schedule this upcoming year. Was there any consideration of sending you to a live event?
1: Definitely. No, I mean, that's – first. We went to, I know Brendan went to like one or two in the early days. No, I mean, I think the more competitive it gets, the more like the fact that John Rom is going to be playing it, you know, like, and probably more like, no, it's my, it's, we literally had a conversation with my editor and well, you shoot, you know, Hugh, Hugh Kellenberger, our listeners here know him, (laughs) a former Clarion legend man, but literally just like, hey, we were going to do Pebble Beach and Riv do we now skip pebble and go to the bedminster go to las vegas you know it's still like the uh, location wise makes sense it's like no it's a real thing because one do you start covering it like a real golf like i think it's fair to say when most reporters go they're writing about it as like a scene or like an issue you know like we're writing about it as like a cultural topic point point. and i think like you very rarely cover it as just golf and it's like at what point what's like the threshold for it's good enough golf now that we just cover it like a golf tournament? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, a, it's your question. I don't know yet, but it's, it's a real thing. Like we, I will probably be at one or two live events this year.
2: Okay. That's what I was getting at. Like you mentioned like, boy, well, at what point do you do that? If you went to a live golf event, I would just assume you're covering it as a real golf event. It's that legitimate. Yeah. I, I would, I would actually not bat an eye at that. It, there's enough players there. It, it is what it is.
1: It's just hard because the format is so silly and it's just we well, didn't like, like
2: the trades you didn't like the offseason trades. you didn't think God. that was cool i wanted
1: to get into that like I, I remember brendan's story got like i was like you know what this will be a really cool sell for it that there's like free agency and it's like oh it's been the, the first trade announced it's like the best player in the league taylor just traded. i was gonna it.
2: say all the trades were just the assholes that nobody wanted this is
1: not it's just like value. who did matthew wolf get traded for i forget but it was just like Yeah, it's just basically negotiating with another guy. Like, hey, I got to get rid of this guy. Like, will you take him? (laughs) That's all it is. It's so silly. I want it to be decent, but it's like there feels like there is no actual tension. There's no actual like stakes of these events. It just feels like, I don't know, exhibition golf. I think that's the right word. I think Yeah, it just feels like you're watching a golf exhibition. That's just hard to write about or care
2: about. I hope it makes
1: the jump because I want to watch good golf. I do
2: i know yeah. but it's when you go to a live event will you just text me because i would like to know the million dollar question is it golf but louder
1: yeah i will please yeah I, I will absolutely let you know um what was the other oh my god no uh you had a good idea though Of like you know what they should do is like no one's going to these events right like no one's there you should just lean into like being a tv product and like Go to the coolest courses that normally can't yes. host events. You know, like the like mo- the
2: Hero World Challenge. You're not going to draw an gallery. Like, exactly. who cares? Yeah. Just go to somewhere awesome.
1: Because as a golf guy, you know, like how many amazing courses are there in the world that just can't host like majors, exactly. can't host big like, events because they just don't have the infrastructure. Don't need it. <laughs> just like go to like Bandit. You know, like go to crazy places. I know a lot of people don't want to do business with Live right now, but like that might be their move, man. Like, hey, oh man, I've always wanted to see this course on TV. I think
2: they should lean into that. Yeah. That's an incredible idea because that's what the misconception of all of this is. Why doesn't it have a PGA Tour event? It's not a good enough golf course. Um, no, they just don't have the infrastructure to put the grandstands and all that. Liv yeah. could lean into that. Let's go to these courses that can't host PGA Tour events. Yeah. We're not getting people there anyway. Let's yeah. just you,
1: you just got your like 2,000 hospitality, big booster type people that go. And other than that, yeah, you don't need it.
2: That, that might be Liv's million dollars idea. Do you have Greg's number? Can you text him?
1: Uh, yes, he's a good buddy. He's coming over for dinner next week. Yeah,
2: <laughs> Golf but louder. He is Brody Miller. Man, I really appreciate the time. I really enjoyed this. Always a
1: pleasure, buddy. I always look good, forward to this.
2: Good luck this season. I'm probably going to bother you about some live things throughout the year. So uh, Anytime. Answer one out of five of my texts will be cool. All right, that's going to do it for our show today. Appreciate Brody's time. Hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. A little later on this weekend, we're going to have a check-in with Caden Priestcorn and have some recruiting stuff next week. So thanks for listening to this podcast, as always. We'll talk to you here real soon. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.